Hey everyone, welcome to episode 47 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Elon Matas, the founder and president of BetterHelp. Let's not waste any time. Let's have him on the podcast. Thanks, Elon, for joining us on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Hope you're doing well during this crazy time with everything going on. Um, it's it's certainly been interesting to see everything unfold and how everyone's kind of come together and offered help to others during this time. Appreciate you being able to come onto the podcast with everything going on. And I'd really love to kind of kick things right out of the gate with you giving us a little bit about your background and we can go from there. Sure. So I'm uh, kind of a solo entrepreneur. This is my fourth startup. Uh, born and raised in Israel, moved here almost 10 years ago with my third company, uh, which was a VC-backed company um, that had like many companies ups and downs and went through quite a bit. And uh, that also had some impact on my own well-being um, and started at some point thinking about maybe I need something more than just talking with uh, friends and family, and uh, maybe I need some more professional help. And uh, I'm not coming from a health background, so I I'm, I'm, was looking at it from a consumer background of uh, trying to see uh, how I can talk with a therapist or a counselor. And I thought it's going to be very straightforward, and it was everything but. I, I realized how uh, inconvenient, inaccessible, difficult, um, stigma around it, but also expensive, uh, this whole process um, uh, became an, and I, I didn't even pursue it, and then I, I stumbled upon statistics that says that over 25% of adults uh, have a mental health challenge, and they actually almost must go to therapy or counseling, but actually a small fraction of them um, will, will uh, speak with a therapist or a mental health professional at any given time. And that's kind of like the bulb of the uh, consumer entrepreneur that said, Oh, there is actually should be a very strong demand for a product that is um, extremely important. I mean, this is not nice to have. This is something that goes directly to your well-being in in most critical things in your life. Uh, there's actually supply of people who can provide great service that can be very useful and impactful, but something there doesn't work for all kind of reasons that are not necessarily related to the value of the service itself. Um, uh, that prevent this from happening. Uh, so fast forward, when we ended up uh, selling that company, uh, I started in uh, 2013 BetterHelp um, as a bootstrap company with uh, a mission to uh, help people uh, that are looking for professional counseling and therapy. Uh, we're the largest um, uh, online counseling platform today. We have a network of over 7,000 therapists uh, and a little over 2 million sessions that we run uh, every month uh, between people um, that are looking for this help. We connect them with a therapist from a network, and then they communicate over the platform. So we're not a matching service. We actually uh, facilitate the, the communication. Uh, and the way it works, uh, the consumer pays a, a flat monthly fee, uh, typically over $200 that we have some financial aid and sliding scale options. Uh, and uh, for that, he, uh, the consumer is being uh, connected and matched to a therapist based on um, the needs and preferences. 
Um, and then uh, the therapist and the consumer connect uh, and talk with each other in four modalities. The first one is the asynchronous messaging, which is actually where we started. That means that you don't need to schedule anything. You send a message to your therapist at your own time and typically gets a response same day or day after. Uh, and the other three modalities are live uh, schedule session where you go to, your account, uh, to the calendar of your counselor, pick a time, and then you can speak with them over phone, video, or real-time chat. Interesting. Very, very interesting. It's, it's always great to hear how when entrepreneurs are starting up these companies, how often it's like a personal, like there's, there's a personal aspect to it, right? Like you were looking for something and you, you couldn't find it. And then you decide, I'm going to go and start this company that addresses this issue. And I feel like it's even more common in healthcare startups. Um, you know, either like um, a loved one got sick or something and you decided to start this company because of that. Like I've seen that with a couple different startups, but okay. Very cool. Um, now you've been with the company for several years now. How, how do you maintain, do you still have that same drive you had from the, the day everything started up? Um, that's always a question I like to ask. Yeah. So I, th I think we're, we're kind of a unique and an almost spoiled in that sense because literally every day we get between five to 10 emails uh, or tweets or other kind of communications of people who tell us how we either change or sometimes save their life. And that's something that uh, you don't typically see in other types of uh, companies, even in health companies. Uh, you know, if you save costs or you, you, you um, help with uh, something, it, it usually doesn't go that far as to completely life-changing uh, experience. And, and we see that um, um, all the time. And, and that's really exciting. On top of that, of course, is the growth. We've been growing very rapidly over the last few years. And, and of course, that also makes things uh, um, very exciting. And I think also, um, and, and that's also what makes us unique in the health space, um, uh, in, in, in the health sector, is that we're a direct-to-consumer uh, experience. So uh, it's really all about us bringing value and getting rewarded for that value and having the direct relationship with the consumer. And I think that's make it more fun and engaging um, than you know trying to navigate what uh, most of my peers in the uh, health sector do is navigating payers and health plans and employers um, um, and, and you have this uh, a little sometimes disconnect um, and when you work directly with consumers and you have to bring them value every day uh, for them to keep using your service, uh, that's making it very exciting and very engaging even after several years. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, now, one of the things... So you, you built up this network of board certified therapists. How, how hard was that in the early stages? And um, how have you seen the process of bringing on those therapists? Like, uh, obviously, you've probably done some streamlining internally to acquire and work with these different therapists. But I guess um, now I know there's certain parts you might not be able to say, you know, that's uh, how you're acquiring different therapists and things like that. But I'm curious into, you know, I really like looking into platforms um, in, in all different spaces, but especially healthcare. 
how they're able to build up, you know, you need to build up the consumers and you need to build up the therapists. Like how, how big of a challenge was that, I guess, initially? Sure. Uh, so for the uh, therapists, like you said, are all uh, licensed and certified. Uh, we, uh, we have psychologists and licensed clinical social workers and uh, marriage and family therapists and uh, LPC, which is licensed professional counselors. We didn't go the route of coaching or anything that is not uh, fully licensed and, and certified by a state board. Um, I know in marketplaces in general, there's always this talk of the chicken and egg and um, um, should you focus on the supply side and demand side. I can definitely say that uh, on early stages, and that pretty much goes till today, the the challenge is, uh, has always been to bring the consumers, uh, I mean the demand. Uh, we uh, Even today we have hundreds of applications or sometimes thousands of applications in the backlog, um, uh, we're very fortunate to be uh, pretty known in the counselors community that if, if you're looking to make uh, an online career, we're probably your best option. Um, and um, the challenge typically hasn't uh, uh, been there. Uh, of course, when you um, um, focus a lot on quality like we do, uh, then you, your pool becomes uh, smaller and today we accept only around 20% of the counselors or the people that apply to work with us uh, because we want to make sure that we have, uh, we provide the best service to to the consumers, which like I said, is, is the tougher side to, to acquire. Um, also, in, in terms of marketplace, um, I, I think, to be honest, it's one of the easier marketplaces to build compared to other marketplaces. Um, uh, first of all, because it has less of the real-time components as compared to Uber. Uh, at Uber, you need to ensure that you have available drivers all the time, all places, um, even at peak times. Uh, otherwise, people get disappointed. Of course, they sometimes have to disappoint. But generally speaking, even at 8 a.m. Uh, rush hour uh, and not in the most populated area, uh, you want to have the service available and available right now. Uh, so that's tough. We don't have this because it's not a real-time service. It's not a hotline. Um, you sign up, you get matched with a therapist, uh, then you speak with them asynchronously over messaging. doesn't have to be real-time. And even if you schedule something, you don't schedule something to the next hour. You schedule it to sometimes later this week maybe. Uh, so that makes it a lot easier to build two sides of the marketplace. The other... Uh, thing, of course, is if I compare it to Airbnb as a marketplace, then you need uh, different types of properties in different places, and, and they need to be available. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's a much simpler uh, dynamic uh, to build. Uh, so we didn't really have the, uh, uh, the chicken and egg problem. The way we acquired our first therapist uh, is, is dead simple. We just emailed a bunch of them saying, uh, uh, we want you to be part of this platform. We're going to pay you. Uh, it's always easier than uh, um, um, other types of, of relationships. We're basically offering them uh, extra income on top of what they're doing in the brick and mortar. Uh, and today we have around a uh, quarter to a third of a therapist who are doing this full time. So this is basically what they do and the rest are doing it uh, to augment things that they do outside of the platform. Very interesting. Do you see a certain, uh, is there, I mean, what's the most popular age 
group on the consumer side that's using this platform? So interesting, a lot of people have this con uh, misconception that uh, people go to online therapy and better help consumers have kind of unique characteristics compared to people who just go to therapy. Uh, and that, uh, like, you know, all kind of assumption, they're younger, they're more savvy, they're more uh, based in uh, urban areas, uh, more educated sometimes. And the fact is that if you compare the demographics of people who use uh, BetterHelp, uh, not to the general population, but to people who use therapy, it's actually very similar. So, for example, we'll be uh, much more skewed uh, women versus men. But this is exactly what happens in traditional therapy as well. Uh, same pretty much with any other uh, permanent. I think it goes back to um, what I said initially about why this even started is because it's such a broad appeal product. Uh, the Your need for therapy is not really uh, necessarily related to your demographic. It's more about what's happening in your life. And in, in where you are, and what are the challenges that you're facing? This can be either where you young or old, whether you're educated or not, whether you're urban or um, uh, rural areas. Of course, there are some um, um, you know specific things. So if you live in a really rural area where you don't have access to therapists, then uh, we might even be your only solution. So we'll might skew there, but it's uh, right from the get-go. We didn't want to create this as a niche service. You know, for people who can't leave their house, for people who uh, live in rural areas, uh, for people with specific issues, we wanted to create a mainstream solution uh, that provides uh, the same type of therapy that uh, you define, the same type of need that you find in brick and mortar, just with different uh, access, different... Uh, this is really what we're trying to disrupt. So over the last uh, two or three years, you've probably... Uh, I've seen a lot of startups that try to solve things in very innovative ways. So in our space are bots and AIs and, and all kind of digital programs um, that try to innovate the process itself. We deliberately do not try to do that. We're not trying to put any innovation in how therapy is conducted or how counseling is, uh, is managed. Uh, what we're trying to change is really how the access to uh, the same tried and true and proven process with the same professionals that you'd find in the traditional therapy world, uh, just in a more convenient and accessible and affordable way. That's great. Yeah, it's um, you, your your platform definitely helps. Um, you know, when you look at some of the biggest issues in healthcare, right? One of which being access to care. Your your platform certainly hits that hits that box and helping that very important uh, area within healthcare, along with many others, right? But uh, Interesting. Okay. Well, one of, another thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, with everything going on with COVID-19 and you're in that, certainly that telehealth bucket, what, what are you seeing as far as like, I guess, how, how do you feel? I mean, I, I know, but I'd like to hear from you. How do you feel uh, better help can provide value during you know, a time like this? Yeah, so we definitely see uh, a peak demand, uh, which is, is to be expected. Um, it comes from, I think, three sources. One is um, um, the whole stress and anxiety that comes with uh, the situation on a personal level, on a family level, and also um, on a community or global level. 
so that definitely uh, uh, adds to challenges people already have uh, and adds an extra layer that um, gets them to the, the point that uh, they start thinking about professional health. Uh, the second point uh, is uh, what we see now in, in almost all states, and we, we start seeing that early on with, with some states, and it's definitely expanding, is the shelter-in-place uh, situation, which uh, uh, gets people out of their normal support systems a lot of time and in, in almost force them into uh, the situation that they need professional help. Uh, and the third is the uh, inability and inaccessibility for people to see therapists um, uh, in, in the traditional way. Um, so all these three factors combined uh, bring uh, peak demand. I think more midterm, uh, there's also the whole notion of people being more open to do things uh, remotely. And, and that actually brings me back six years ago when we, we started uh, thinking about this idea. And like I said, I'm not coming from counseling background. So I started talking with therapists about this uh, this idea of, of doing things uh, in a different way. And as to be expected, a lot of them uh, objected uh, and said, no, this is not the way we do it. This is not how we've, we've been taught. And one of the therapists that uh, um, I talked with is just, you know, lives close to me, so it was convenient, was really very, uh, very negative uh, uh, about this uh, whole concept and, and stressed how this is important that the therapist and uh, um, uh, the client will be at the same physical room. And we haven't talked for a while, and then uh, we talked uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, and obviously everybody now are in their home, and they said, hey, what are you doing now? And she said, well, I'm doing uh, all over uh, uh, Zoom and, and other uh, other platforms. And I said, well, um, and she just started. And I said, how is it going? And I said, I wish I knew it can work so well uh, before I was forced to do that. So I think in general, people will get more open to do things in different ways and, and do things uh, uh, remotely with, with online connections, whether it's messaging or phone or video. Uh, so beyond the uh, obvious peaks that we have now, I think there will be a lot of residual effects afterwards uh, with more openness to uh, doing things in a different way. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, and thank you for, for doing your part during this COVID-19 period. Um, I, one of the last things I want to ask you is where, where can our listeners learn more about you and, and better help? So we're um, we're all consumer facing, so everything is uh, you know is very much online. Uh, we have the cyberhelp.com, we have the app, uh, um, which are the gateways to, to using our service. Um, um, signing up is very very simple. Um, it's easy to try. Uh, um, it's easy to get connected to a therapist. It's easy to switch switch a therapist if. You don't like the uh, uh, the therapist that you've been uh, uh, matched with, um, and we take kind of the uh, daunting process of starting a therapy. Uh, and a lot of people who use this say, like, I knew I need therapy for maybe two or three years now, but the whole thought of, of finding a therapist and, and getting into therapy was so daunting, and you made it into a two-minute process of filling up a questionnaire, you match me with a therapist based on what I need, and the therapist reach out to me and say, how can I help? Uh, that's 
um, that's really life-changing, and that's the best way to know about what we're doing is just to sign up to our services. Great. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'll put the the links to your, your site and your social media channels onto, um, onto into the show notes, rather, and look forward to letting everyone listen to this, and let's definitely stay in touch. Always a pleasure to, to chat. Awesome. Great talking to you, and I hope this uh, whole situation will go away as quickly as possible. Likewise. We'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. Um, thanks again, and uh, you know, hopefully at some point, maybe in the near future, uh, whether it's a year, two years out, we have you on again, and we can kind of hear what you're up to. But really, uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is unlocking healthcare professional data, making it easily shareable. They want to make life easier for healthcare professionals and organizations so that they can focus on tasks like providing the best care possible to patients. Block Health leverages their smart universal common application and blockchain technology to streamline many of the tasks that healthcare professionals and organizations must engage in like primary source verification, provider enrollment, state licensing, state license renewals, DEA registration, DEA renewals, and much more. They do all of this through their easy to use platform. If you would like to learn more about Block Health, please check out their website at www.blochealth.com. Thanks. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.